Hi, everyone. It's Dylan. Today, we are going to do something a little different. You are going to get to meet two members of the Atlas Obscura team who are a little bit behind the scenes. They have a job that's actually very close to my my heart. Uh, well, I don't want to say too much. I don't want to give it all away. So to, to start, I'm just going to ask you actually to introduce yourselves. What are your names and what do you do at Atlas Obscura? So my name is Jonathan Carey, and I'm the senior associate editor for the Places team here at Atlas Obscura. Uh, and basically, I edit, publish, review all new entries submitted through our community, through various other channels. So I'm one of the stewards of the Atlas, of new places to the Atlas. And I am Michelle Cassidy, and I also do that. At the heart of Atlas Obscura is this database of 20,000 plus places. And from day one, back starting in 2009, basically the way it works is people can submit places anywhere in the world. And then on our side, we actually look at all of these things that people send in and say, oh, that one is uh, a a good one. Or that one is uh, like, that doesn't make sense at all. And so we... we, Jonathan and Michelle, that's what they do. They get to see all of the weird, interesting, amazing places that people send into Atlas Obscura every day. So you both have been doing this job for a while now. You've seen a lot of places come through the the Atlas. I wanted to ask you both, Michelle, I'll, I'll ask you first, was there an entry early on that you were like, oh, this is crazy, like this is an amazing place? Was there something that like really caught your attention when you started doing this work? There was. And, you know, it's it's funny because it is one that on the surface is not one that I think seems particularly crazy or out there. But as I kept learning about it, um, it fascinated me. And it's the Thaddeus Kosciuszko National Memorial um, in Philadelphia. Okay, so it's like a statue. So it is a small brick row house in uh, the Society Hill neighborhood. Um, It doesn't look terribly exciting from the outside. You know, it looks like a lot of the other brick row houses in Philadelphia. One of the fun facts about it that that was sort of initially exciting is that it is the smallest national park unit in the United States. Oh, wow. But what I think is really exciting about it and the part that, that really gets me is Thaddeus Kosciuszko himself. Have you ever heard of Thaddeus Kosciuszko, Dylan? So... I lived in Greenpoint, Brooklyn, mm-hmm. and there's a bridge named the Kosciuszko Bridge. There is. And I have this sense that that is the same person, and he is a Polish general who fought in the Revolutionary War? This is like, I don't, is that? That is exactly right. Yes! <laughs> he was a Polish general and a military engineer who was maybe surprisingly, a hero of the American Revolution. Um, I think Thomas Jefferson called him one of the purest sons of liberty I have ever known. Uh, One of my personal favorite descriptions of Kosciuszko uh, came from uh, the Library of Congress, where someone described him, as well as the Marquis de Lafayette, as the founding uncles of the United States. Not the founding fathers, the founding uncles. But he's this fascinating man. He fought in the American Revolution. He led a rebellion against Russia. Catherine the Great kind of hated him. He was not an American. I guess there weren't American citizens yet. But he was like a Polish citizen. He was a Polish and I believe Lithuanian citizen. Okay. And he came back to the United States 
in like the late 18th century. And he lived in this little boarding house um, only very briefly for about six months. And he entertained guests. He entertained Thomas Jefferson and Benjamin Rush um, and all these other sort of famous figures of American history. And then one day in June 1798, uh, he left in the middle of the night and uh, went back to Europe. And um, he wound up dying in Switzerland in 1817 and never made it back to Poland. Um, hmm. But part of what I love about Kosciuszko and what's so fascinating is his name is all over the place. There are at least 30 places named after him. I live on Kosciuszko Street. Uh-huh. Uh, there's a Kosciuszko pool down the road. If I wanted to go into Queens, I would probably be crossing the Kosciuszko Bridge. There's a Kosciuszko Park in Chicago as well. There's uh, one in Australia. Can I ask, did you know who he was before that entry came in? Had you kind of... I had never heard of him before in my life. You know, I, I am by no means a history buff, but I had never heard of him. Yeah. You know, I had maybe seen it written. Um, you know, I grew up in Washington, D.C., and there's a big monument of him in Lafayette Square, which is two blocks away from where I used to work. And I'd never heard of this man in my life. Um, and that's that's really become my favorite kind of place on Alice Obscura is these places that maybe seem boring at first yeah. have a really special place in my heart personally. Yeah, I love those kinds of places. I also need to admit something that I'm literally just realizing now. I, I lived in Greenpoint for like eight years. That bridge was like six blocks from my house. I 100% called it the Kosciuszko Bridge for like that entire time. I did not. That's what everyone calls it. Yeah. My mom's side of the family is Polish. And so I think I'm, I pronounce it correctly, but, uh, or my best version of correctly. Yeah. This is the for sure the first time I've ever pronounced that name correctly. Uh, that's an amazing, that's an amazing place. Jonathan, what about you? What's a, what's an early place that jumped out at you? So my place in my early in my tenure was the uh, Belmont and Slave Cemetery. Hmm. Um, it's located in Ashburn, Virginia, in Loudoun County. I'm a native-born Virginian, so it's not far from where I went to undergrad at. But what's so interesting about the Belmont and Slave Cemetery is that it's a story of preserving history, and it's also like one of those mundane discoveries. It wasn't a huge excavation. It was literally found in like a catalog, and somebody noticed this strip of land and decided to do more investigation. Do you know if the person who did the investigation, were they like a professional or was it what, what, do you know anything about sort of why they looked into it? It was originally discovered by Reverend Michelle C. Thomas. Um, she was actually going through land records um, for Loudoun County, um, looking for a location for a new church to construct. And that's when she came across this land parcel records um, for the burial ground of the Belmont and Coton plantations and slave population. The plantation was owned by Ludwell Lee and Thomas Ludwell Lee. Um, if that last name sounds familiar, they were the cousins of Robert E. Lee during this time. Uh-huh. And being the cousins of Robert E. Lee, they were two of the most powerful families um, in Virginia at that time. And the, the cemetery sat in between the two plantations, and the burial ground actually dates back to the 1800s. Um, it was actually almost destroyed um, when one of the previous owners was attempting to stop the flooding in the area by creating a man-made lake. And it essentially sunk about half of the graves oh, wow. um, that most people did not know were even there. It sounds like it was totally anonymous before. Is it kind of um, memorialized more now? Yeah. So it wasn't until about 2015 that the site actually got... Um, reclaimed and dedicated as a sacred burial ground, 2.75 acres were donated to redevelop and to create a historical site. Um, and it's now known as the uh, 
the Journey to Freedom Heritage Trail. So throughout the entire site now, there's a gravel and wood walkway that you can walk through and view these various different um, stone grave markers. But unfortunately, a lot of the graves are unmarked. So it's it's one of those things that it's a, it's it's fascinating and wondrous, but also kind of sobering and heartbreaking too. Yeah, I, I also think it's really interesting that the two the places you both chose in some way, like illuminated a place that you were familiar with. Michelle, in your case, it was like you were lived on a street with this name. And and Jonathan, you're you're from this area. And I think it's like, it's one of the sort of beautiful aspects of the Atlas. I think to me, at least, is this notion of like, it can be really gratifying to look not necessarily at the places that are super far away and obviously amazing, but at the little places that are close by and just give you that, that additional history. I think that's really... Uh, I really like that about the Atlas too. Yeah. You can tell sometimes when, when we're reading through these new submissions, you can tell when it's someone else having the types of experiences that Jonathan and I just talked about. And, and it makes me feel so, you know, grateful and excited that, that we get to be sort of the carriers of those stories and we get to help share them with a wider audience. It's really lovely. Totally. Mm -hmm. So, you know, maybe I'll take a moment to just, just tell you, I had a, I remember my, experience like this. Uh, when we first started the Atlas, you know, we didn't know what we were going to get. We we wrote up the first 300 places or so, uh, 400 places, like that was sort of a, a good year of of work and, and just getting the site ready. And then we launched and sort of, okay, what are we going to get? And we started getting stuff pretty early. That was like really interesting and cool. Th- about three months in, we got an entry that like I still talk about it today, we made a podcast episode about it. We got an entry that basically said, I run a small bed and breakfast in Northwest India, near Cherrapunji is the region. It's a pretty short entry. It's about a paragraph. It says, you know, in this region, they grow living root bridges out of the, the roots of two rubber trees. And, you know, they're hundreds of years old. You can cross them. And unfortunately, they're like in danger of disappearing uh, because not a lot of people know about them, period, end. And I, I like went around the internet and I was like like searching madly to find pictures and all and there was like almost nothing. There was like almost nothing. And I did I was able to confirm that they were real. Like I, I had it was enough mm. to be like, okay, this is not just like a crazy person. But it was one of it was, for me, it was just, you know, in, in starting Alice, I had high hopes about like, oh, there's all this cool stuff in the world. But I think that was a moment when I was like, Man, the world is just a big place. Anyway, that's I really relate to the that feeling of like, oh, this is really special. I mean, there's a there was a place down the street from my house where I grew up at. It's called the uh, Tombstone House in Petersburg, Virginia, and it's a house made of tombstones from the Civil War. And I've passed by the house throughout my entire life, and my mom was like, "Yes, yeah, build a tombstone." And I'm just like, "Oh, that's interesting." And and it's so weird; it's such a strange house. I mean, it stands out from every house in the area. I just never knew about that history until I start. I read it on Atlas, and I was like, "Wow, this is literally right by my house." So I think you, you're right about those things are just kind of like hiding in plain sight that we don't even know the history behind them or how unique and cool they are. Sometimes we do get entries that are pretty hard to verify or like find information about Do, can you talk a little bit about those kinds of entries and like what they are and and yeah i'd love to i'd love to hear about that so we have some entries that that do come through that are a lot shorter we call those stubs they are places that like this needs to be in the database we just need a little bit more information on it uh, so typically what we do with those are we 
ask our community for help. You know, we, we publish those places um, under a banner and asking for, you know, hey, do you have any more photos? Would you happen to have any more information? We'd love to, like, update this entry a lot more. And periodically we go back and check those entries to see which ones have been updated, which ones have been added to, and we go ahead and publish those as full entries. Michelle, are there? can you think of any examples of what a, what a good stub might be, something where it's kind of like we need more information or there's a, a question we're hoping people will answer? Yeah. So I was just looking at this the other day, actually. Um, we have a stub for the Congo Nile Trail. It's a trail in western Rwanda. It's this network of sort of local roads and trails. It's open to hikers and bikers and stuff. And we just have um, a couple of sentences about it and some really beautiful photos. You know, it's like these lush green mm. landscapes and beautiful trails. I, I would love to hear from somebody who has hiked or biked or otherwise traveled this trail before um, who can tell us more about, you know, what kinds of things they saw along the way or, you know, what what you can expect if you're going to go on this long journey. And how can people leave that tip? Can they basically search the trails page? And is there a way for them to kind of tell us or should they email us? What's the best way for, for people to, to help us uh, get that information? Yeah. So if you know about the Congo Nile Trail and want to give us more information, um, there'll be a link in the podcast description and you can click on the page. There's an option at the bottom to make an edit. Um, you could also email us at places at atlasobscura.com and, and we'll be very excited to see it. Absolutely. It's funny, at the early days of the site, I, I really did. There was a time when I knew every single entry in the Atlas, when it was like in the low <laughs> thousands. And now, you know, the, the database has gotten so big, we publish so many stories. Sometimes I find myself searching and I like arrive at Atlas Obscura and I'm like, ooh, th- this looks great. <laughs> like, I don't, I've never seen this before. Every once in a while, I'll uh, catch a glimpse of the total number of places published in the Atlas. And I think right now we're, uh, we're, approaching 22,000. And I look at that number and I'm like, how could we possibly be adding more? And then I'll go look at the new submissions that have come in that day. (laughs) It's really incredible. And I'm so thankful to both of you and to all of our users who submit places. And it's super fun to talk to you about what's coming through the Atlas, since it's really what powers the site and the podcast in a way, you know, the material that we work on on the show really is, de- is derived from that collection of places. And so I hope you'll come back uh, on the show again and keep us updated on new stuff that you are seeing and it's catching your interest. Yeah, this is great. Thanks for having us, Dylan. Thank you. I will talk to you soon. Bye. 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 Our podcast is a co-production of Atlas Obscura and Witness Docs. I'm Dylan Thuris, wishing you all the wonder in the world. I'll see you next time. Witness Docs from Stitcher.